Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together. If we haven't met, uh, my name is Kurt, and um, I am just one of the family here at Mosaic. Uh, They give me the title pastor, and uh, I take on that title humbly, and I love it. I love this family here at Mosaic. So many amazing people who are open to the wonder and the mystery of just following the presence of Jesus um, in our world. It's a beautiful thing. Man, do I love the way that you guys love. Uh, I see it reflected in so many ways. Uh, It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh, over the next few weeks, we're talking about our place in these ancient stories of wonder and awe and wisdom. And uh, we're looking at a few old, old ancient stories asking, what happens if we actually take our place in these stories? Um, How will they ask us to trust and to surrender? How will they ask us to to open up and explore? How will they ask us to perhaps let go of old ways in order order to grab a hold of of new ways? And what I I want to invite us into is... um, a little bit of scriptural and spiritual daydreaming, um, allowing ourselves to soak in these passages that we're going to be looking at, uh, letting the words do something to us, letting the words do something to you rather than you doing something with them. Now, I'm going to step out on a limb and say that if, if you've grown up in the church long enough, we we haven't really practiced this kind of reading, this kind of scriptural and spiritual daydreaming, right? Um, a lot of what we encounter is information being given to you and then you being able to regurgitate that information and give answers and give a reason for why you believe what you believe. And that, that has its importance and that has its place. Uh, yet at the same time, we have to make sure that we allow ourselves this space to kind of daydream a little bit, to enter into these stories and um, just say, God, what kind of wisdom, what kind of wonder and awe do you have for me? Uh, Carl Jung, who was, um, of course, the founder of analytical psychology at one point in time, was asked, do you believe in God? Um, To which he responded, um, in a sense, really, I don't know how to answer that question. I know God. And, and he's hitting on something very important there because there's a difference in believing in God and then knowing God, right? Our experience of God is really what lures us into participating with him, with what he's doing in the world, with what he's looking to transform in our lives, with um, how he is uh, bringing us to new places, right? Uniting us with Jesus. And, and so, it's important that we, we enter into these stories to know God, to know how God works, to know what he's doing, and are we willing to trust this? So this morning, especially as Carissa um, just reminded us, this being Pentecost Sunday, and uh, if there's anything that Pentecost Sunday reminds us of is that um, God's Spirit, whoo, she moves in some mysterious ways. She moves in mysterious ways. You never know how God's Spirit is going to be working, is going to be leading. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ask us to open up and to be ready to kind of go over here and make our way this way and, and uh, be ready to respond over here. I know 
for the most part, I'm the type of guy who believes the, the, the best way from point A to point B is a straight line. Is anybody with me? You right? You that kind of person, right? Best way to point A to point B, straight line. Um, I've realized God's spirit doesn't work that way. I remember um, there's a few women that I've met in my life who they just kind of pull you out of your, like your categorical thinking, you know, your organized thinking, your, your programmed kind of thinking. I remember just as a young kid just kind of watching my mom. She just had this graceful way about her. And, and just kind of watching the way that she would interact with people, watching the way that she would kind of float to and fro. There's just this beautiful sense of, I think that's how God's spirit kind of moves. Um, and then one summer, uh, there was this girl, Nicole, and I, I started to get to know her a little bit. And instead of now going from point A to point B in a straight line, um, I would find myself drifting way over here just so I could, just so I could see what she was up to. Um, all of a sudden, a little bit of flexibility and wonder and awe started to enter into my life. Um, if there's anything that I've just experienced, even with my two daughters, like, you know, I can be very in tune with my tasks and my, my, my duties for the day that I'm seeking to accomplish. But at times, I'll, I'll witness my two daughters engaged in activities, whatever it is, and I just have to kind of step out of what I'm doing in order to be more present with, look at what's going on over here. She moves in mysterious ways. And I think that these women in my life have helped me understand more and more of what it means to be in relationship with God's Spirit, right? This one who is with us, this one who walks with us, this one who is present in our world, asking us to come and join in the work that needs to be done. Last week, um, we looked at an old story, Moses, and he is in a set of circumstances um, where he's just kind of upside down. What is going on? God, where are you? He's beyond the wilderness, the text told us in Exodus chapter 3. He's gone beyond the wilderness. He's made some choices that have landed him in a situation where it's like, what is happening here? How is God going to work in the midst of this one? You know, all these um, stories that had probably been told orally about the, the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and how God was going to bless them and bring them to a land and make them fruitful. But yet here God's people are enslaved in bondage and wondering, has God left us? Has God forgotten us? And God shows up to Moses beyond the wilderness. And what does God say to Moses? Look, let me tell you what my name is. My name is I am who I am. And then part two, my name is also the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which will be this name that becomes united to God's delivering nature, that God is always delivering his people as he will do with Moses and the Israelites. And so we said, Ultimately, God is this one who invites us into a relationship with him, the one who is present that will deliver us. And so anytime we find ourselves in that position of like, how did I get here? How is this going to turn out? What in the world is going on? Which we said is pretty much waking up in America every day now, right? We said to ourselves, God is present in the midst of this, and God is, is showing us he is present here to deliver us, to show us how to walk forward. And he's going to do this in his way. And so we've got to open ourselves up to it. And so we said, much like Moses, who saw this bush that was burning, and he went over to check it out, and he took his sandals off, 
And that's when God began to speak to him, right? And so the miracle wasn't so much God speaking through this bush, but the miracle was that actually Moses went over to see what was going on. Moses created this barefoot moment where he's like, I'm going to take my shoes off over here because I'm standing on holy ground, and God wants to reveal something to me. And so hopefully God is revealing to each of us that, look, whatever your circumstances are right now, ultimately to be in relationship with me is to be in relationship with one who is present to deliver you. And I don't know what you feel in bondage to this morning. Maybe you feel in bondage to a set of circumstances that feels beyond your control. Maybe you feel in bondage to um, others and how they would like to control you and live your life for you. Maybe you feel in bondage um, to, I don't know what it is. But God is present seeking to you to deliver you from that so that you can be freed up to respond to how he's going to continue to lead in your life. So let's continue the story. And here's what I'd like us to do, you guys. Um, we're going we're gonna to get to the point in the story now where um, the Israelites have, uh, they've been rescued from Egypt. Um, God brought about the plagues. God is pronouncing judgment on Egypt's gods. Uh, God leads his people through the Red Sea. Um, and now they are in the wilderness. And it only took days, it only took days for God to get his people out of Egypt, but now it will take him years to get Egypt out of his people. All right? Don't miss that. Because as much as God seeks to be present to deliver us, um, he can deliver us in an instant, but he will take a long time to then get those things out of your life that need to get out of your life. And sometimes it takes a long, winding, mysterious road to see those things just kind of dissolve and go away so that we can be more in tune with what God is doing. So Numbers chapter 9, one of those books that we often don't turn to in the Scriptures, um, but Numbers chapter 9. At the beginning of chapter 9, Moses is now giving the people instructions as to how to celebrate the Passover, how to celebrate this great deliverance that God has done for them. And then in verse 15, we'll pick up the story here. On the day the tabernacle was set up. So God's presence is now kind of dwelling with the people in the midst of this tabernacle, kind of this portable tent that they would establish. And on the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant. And from evening until morning, it was over the tabernacle, having the appearance of fire. So from evening until morning, while it's dark out, there's this pillar of cloud that resembles fire, okay? And it's over the, the tabernacle, kind of resembling, this is, this is God's presence with them, all right? That is constantly with them, leading them along the way. Um, it was always so. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, then the Israelites would set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the Israelites would camp. So whenever the cloud would set out, the Israelites would go. Whenever the cloud would stop, the Israelites would camp. At the command of the Lord, the Israelites would set out. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they would remain in the camp. 
Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the Israelites would keep the charge of the Lord and would not set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they would remain in the camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud would remain from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they would set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they would set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, resting upon it, the Israelites would remain in camp and they would not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. At the command of the Lord, they would camp. And at the command of the Lord, they would set out. They kept the charge of the Lord and at the command of the Lord by Moses. Now, let's just kind of daydream a little bit. Put yourself in this position. How many of you are frustrated yet? Right? How many of you are like, when do I get to settle down? Right? When will I know what this is going to look like? When will I know, like, okay, look, I can finally put down roots and, like, have some sense of certainty for what the future holds? I mean, what, what God is showing his people here is, look, there's no three-day, three-week, three-month, three-year plan. Forget it. There isn't. There's only this sense of living in the moment, being aware that the Lord is present to deliver you, that the Lord is there with you, leading you and guiding you. Why did God do it this way? I don't know. I could probably go on for hours, but I'll say this. She moves in mysterious ways. And if we're willing to move along with God's spirit, we're going to find this mystery at work with us that somehow, like, man, life is going to, like, life's going to come, right? How many of you, summertime, we're swimming, right? You're in the water, and it's like, am I going to just trust the water? What happens if I lay back? Supposedly, I'm supposed to what? Float, right? But I can't fight this. I can't fight this. I just have to lay down in it and rest in it and trust that this water that surrounds me is going to hold me up. But what happens the instance I pick my head up to look around? Right? The butt goes down and you start going under. And now all of a sudden you're the one treading water and you're fighting again. So there's this picture going on here of God's inviting his people into this, this different kind of way of living where there's no three-day, three-week, three-month, three-year plan. Right? Now I'm not saying throw it all out the window. You guys, you're with me here. All right? But what I am saying is if we're serious about following the Spirit's lead in our life, we have to open ourselves up that there's going to be some mysterious movements along the journey that we don't fully understand. Did you notice the phrase that was used numerous times in the midst of this narrative? The phrase, at the command of the Lord. It was used seven different times. At the command of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear that phrase, um, and it makes me tighten up a little bit. Um, because I've been around some environments where people have used that phrase at the command of the Lord, kind of in their, their coercive, kind of gross power kind of ways. And you know that somehow that phrase, at the command of the Lord, can be used in a way to kind of get you to act according to their purposes. And so it's real easy in our world to kind of like, miss this sense of like, this is actually a beautiful phrase, that at the command of the Lord, that there are, there are certain ways that God wants to speak to you and say, I want you to do this. 
I'm asking you to go here. I'm asking you to trust me here. And that is like super countercultural um, because that kind of like, whew, I don't know, that whole command authority thing, like, no, thank you. Because a lot of us, we've, we've been around those kind of, kind of environments where like command and authority is used in, in just really negative kind of ways. But what we have to understand is, guys, is in order to truly to surrender to this kind of God, um, laying aside our control and laying aside our preferences and opening ourselves to God is simply saying yes to God's affirming yes to us. And that's what we need to remember in this, is that God has given an affirming yes to his people, right? I love you. I am with you. I am seeking to deliver you. I want to bring you to wide open spaces where you can show the rest of the world what God is like. And this is a beautiful thing. And God doesn't exercise his authority in coercive, um, kind of gross power kind of ways, but in the ways where he is self-giving and self-emptying, the one who is present to deliver us. So all of this responding to the command of the Lord in our lives is simply a matter of saying yes, because God has given his affirming yes to us. I encouraged our our setup and teardown team and people who are serving in kids this morning, we got into a circle and I, I had us just pause for a minute. And I said, everyone, let's just stop and and let's consider this. Collectively, but also individually. Imagine what God feels about us. And imagine what God feels about you right now as he thinks about us in you. Can you do that? Imagine that right now. Imagine what God feels about you and about us as God thinks about you and us right now. And here's my thought, Mosaic, is if there is anything that comes to mind other than pure love and delight, you are not going to be a person who surrenders. Because the only way that I surrender and the only way that you surrender is when you come to a place that you realize I am surrendering to a perfect love. I am surrendering to one who loves me perfectly and I can trust this. I'm surrendering to one who does not use coercive and kind of sick power tactics. I am surrendering to one who is present to deliver me. That I can trust that he is present in the journey. Mosaic, in order to relax and surrender, you have to feel safe. You have to feel safe. And more than anything, I encourage all of us as you go throughout this week, as you consider, like, when you find yourself in those moments where, like, you know how the stress level and the anxiety level rises because you start to think three days, three weeks, three months, three years out, that you would catch yourself in that moment and be like, time out. What is God feeling about me right now as he thinks about me? Oh, yeah, that's right. He gives an affirming yes to me in Christ. In Christ, he gives an affirming yes to me. There is nothing but perfect love and delight over me. I can surrender myself to this moment. And I can surrender myself to whatever three days, three weeks, three months, three years holds. And perhaps as I surrender in that moment, I might actually gain some clarity and wisdom about how to move forward into the future, into what I sense that God is calling me into. 
Carissa read for us in the midst of our opening worship um, from Psalm 104, verse 30. And the psalmist says, um, God, when you, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. You renew the face of the ground. And Mosaic, my hope for us is that you would find yourself being renewed in those moments. When you just learn to respond to this mysterious movement day by day. God is present with me today. He'll be present with me the next day. And this is where I'm at today, and I don't know where I'll be three years out from now, but I can trust it. This is the journey that God is bringing his people on. David Benner wrote a beautiful little book. I encourage you if you get a chance, pick it up and read it. It's called Surrender to Love. He says this, only God deserves absolute surrender because only God can offer absolutely dependable love. Only God deserves absolute surrender because only God can offer absolutely dependable love right where you're at. As a child of the 90s, um, 1991, uh, Octoon Baby comes out, a great U2 album. And a little story about Johnny. And Johnny's uh, caught in a room um, Johnny's eating from a can, he's down on the floor, and Johnny's running away from what he doesn't understand. But as the pale light of the moon comes in, Johnny realizes I'm running away from what I don't understand, and what I don't understand is love. Tobano says, Johnny, you're running away from what you don't understand, love. So if you want to kiss the sky, you better learn how to kneel. Get on your knees, boy. Right? It's this beautiful picture of surrender. And I think just like Johnny, who doesn't understand what perfect love is. Guys, I know I've been doing this thing a long time. I've been leading other people in this. And I'm still on the journey of learning what it means to surrender myself to an absolutely perfect love. And I think probably a lot of you are at that place too. Uh, the story of Israel as they go on, they, they struggle with this, right? I mean, it's a constant struggle, surrendering themselves to this kind of love, being open to this kind of movement. Um, Jesus comes as a representative um, of this people, uh, and he displays what it means to live in this kind of trustful surrender to his Father's love. Jesus embodies this, right? And then Jesus invites us into his life, into his death, his resurrection. And so now we have this union with Christ. Jesus then, as he says, I'm now going, and it's for your benefit that as I go, because in my going, the Father's going to send the Spirit. And then followers of Jesus began to talk about kind of um, this Spirit who was with them, and the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter to a church in Galatia, he begins to use language of learning how to walk in the Spirit. And he contrasts that with walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. And it's not that the flesh is a negative, bad thing, right? Our embodied spirituality in flesh, this is how it's meant to be practiced, right? But we can actually obey kind of the flesh and our desires, or we can learn to walk in the Spirit. And if we're willing to walk in the Spirit, there's this fruit that's going to be bore, this this Beautiful love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Mosaic, that's my hope for us as a community. 
that this morning you would know in a very powerful way that God is inviting you to trust the presence of His Spirit that's with you. That you would surrender to perfect, absolute love in whatever your circumstances are now. And that you would trust, just like floating in a pool, that you would trust this love is able to carry you and will carry you. In Mosaic, if we're able to live that kind of life, we're going to find ourselves leaving here each and every week and going out into the world and actually sharing um, just the amazing presence of Jesus with people in beautiful ways, right? And we talk about that as a church, practicing rhythms of grace, being willing to listen to others, being a kind of people who say, I'd love to hear your story, rather than, hey, I've got something to tell you. Being people who actually share tables with others who are different than us and saying, I'd love to learn from you. And all of a sudden we find that as we're willing to learn from other people, like maybe we open up a space where then they begin to listen to our stories. And in the midst of sharing these tables with unlikely suspects, we find God's Spirit doing amazing things in our midst, right? As we celebrate the work of God um, in the lives of others around us, in our own lives, as we share those things with one another, as we listen to each other, these are these rhythms of grace that we practice as a church. But here's my hope. Whatever your, whatever your, your three-day, three-week, three-month, three-year plan is, I get it. I get it. Okay? Like, keep listening for God's, God's Spirit to speak to you. But at the same time, like, would you surrender that? Would you just surrender that? And, and most importantly, surrender the anxiety and surrender the, the, uh, the what-ifs that come along with that to this perfect love um, that is with you. And would you be willing to just go on the journey that at the command of the Lord, it's like, hey, look, this is where I want you to be this week. This is where I want you to be this season. Would you come join me in the work? Like, do that. And then if it's a day later or a season later, and he's like, hey, I want you to come over here and join me in this work, would you be willing to do that? Right? What a beautiful way for us to, to live our lives. What a beautiful way for us to engage in the world around us. Uh, what a beautiful way to um, partner with all that God's doing in the world. So I want to invite our worship team um, back up front at this moment. And uh, let Let's allow this to be a movement to these tables here. Um, a movement of saying, yeah, God, man, I, I'm, I'm open. I'm willing. You know, I've, I've, I've gone on this little journey here of this, these moments of like just kind of spiritual and scriptural daydreaming. And I, I get it. I get it. I see what you did with your people for all those years. And, and yeah, God, I want to say yes to you because of your affirming yes to us. And Jesus is in the midst of that, right? Even as the people are, are in the wilderness, God is providing bread from heaven for them. Um, there's a, a rock that's, that's struck by a staff and water comes from it. And then the Apostle Paul, like hundreds of years later, says, oh yeah, by the way, when they struck that rock, that was actually Jesus present with the people. You know, like, whoa, that seems like a scriptural leap there, Paul. But... Uh, like, Paul just lived with this experiential sense of, like, the presence of Jesus is always with us. It's always been with God's people. It's always present with us now. And, yes, she moves in mysterious ways. But a lot of us, guys, we've been, we've been running away from that which we don't understand. Love. God's perfect, absolute love. I mean, we get to share in that together as a community. We get to share in that together, right here in this space, and then we get to go share that with the world. So that's my encouragement for us. Let's pray.
God, thanks so much for just the, the promise that when you send your spirit, you renew the face of the ground. God, you, you renew us, you restore us, you recreate us. God, in Jesus, you love us perfectly. You invite us just as we are. And so I pray for each and every person here that even as they come forward this morning, um, that they would know that your feelings over them are nothing but pure delight and pure love. God, I pray for each and every one of us that we would surrender to that love. God, make us more aware of just your presence that is with us each and every day. And uh, we thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.